Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. Hello people and welcome to Short Bus Debate Club. This is Brian Courtney and uh, we are going to continue our discussion on gangs but this time we're bringing it into I don't know, entertainment, movies, books, whatever. Um, and and I, I think this will give us an opportunity to kind of talk more about some of the stuff that we missed on the last one, or maybe we can do that in the next half. But um, some of the movies will kind of touch on some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about anyway. Because, you know, a lot of those guys, like, I don't know, Bonnie and Clyde, or Al Capone, or or any of the people, Dillinger, any of the people that were real live characters that ran, not necessarily a gang in the way that people think of gangs, you know, where somebody's standing on the corner and selling drugs, but they ran gangs in the way like they were robbing banks, or they were robbing trains, or whatever, and that kind of stuff. So, anyway, um, I'm Brian Courtney. Darren Jolly's across the table. Thank you. Asshole. <laughs> dude, that was only like fucking 37 seconds, dude. You call me an asshole and then you walk away? <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking douchebag. <laughs> I thought you had something important to say. No, just the introductions generally. Gen- oh, shit. Introductions generally. Um... You know, they go both ways, like right at the beginning. You know, if you say that your name, and then, I mean, you know, I, I mean, I know that like everybody knows who I am anyway. That's gonna listen to these. Yeah, they have they sort do. Of, like omnipotent quality about me, but at the same time, like all of the fan mail talks about you, dude. Which which, which fan mail is that? All of it that we get. Three? No, we don't have any fucking fan mail. Yeah, dude. come on, fuckers. <laughs> um, yeah. So I apologize for taking thirty-seven seconds longer, but. Um, yeah, so gangs, movies, whether that be documentary or loosely based on truth, like right before we started recording, we were talking about American Gangster. Um, so American Gangster is a great fucking movie. I really dig it. Russell Crowe's in it as a cop who... He works for the New Jersey police, but then they kind of farm him out to, like, the DEA or the FBI. He's kind of this... I don't I don't know quite how to explain it. It's odd when they create these rover positions, you know? Like, yeah. Like Eddie Murphy coming into Beverly Hills, you know, doing his Beverly Hills cop stuff. The rover position doesn't, as far as I'm... Like, on a federal... If you exist on a federal position, because like you said, he's in New Jersey... Cop. You don't generally have the ability to, you know, go across these. We're not. We're going to lend you out, and you can go across state lines and do this. And do well, that. no, and he he didn't. I mean, for the most part, he was just working Jersey. Uh-huh. Um, he did lose some cash, like they were supposed to be following some cash to see where it went, mm-hmm. in order to buy the drugs, and whoever had the cash lost them, mm-hmm. and then they picked them up again over in New York, and that's when. Um, 
Ah, fuck. One, a couple of the New York cops started fucking with Russell Crowe saying, you know, you're out of your jurisdiction. If you come over here to watch a fucking play, I want you to tell me first. So, like, I mean, of course, and I'm I'm being a pain in the ass, but uh, and I've only watched the movie once. It's kind of, I mean, I watched it literally right after it got nominated for a bunch of shit. Did, did he win for it or no? I can't remember. I don't know. I know that it got nominated for a bunch of shit, but right after they did the um, Oscars for whatever year it was that it came out, I watched it, and that's been 15, probably 15, 15 years. 20 years. Uh-huh. So, um, but uh, um, that's like, but if, okay, so if it's loosely based, was Russell Crowe's well, character the, a real cop or? Yeah, and he ended up being a DA later on. Okay, um, so he and did. he formed a friendship with Frank Lucas, and actually, he was the one that got him when. Frank Lucas got out of jail, at least according to the movie. Uh-huh. Uh, Russell Crowe's character was the one that picked him up from jail. Uh-huh. Um, the reason I said loosely based is because you never know. Again, we're talking about, you know, an underground type of society, you know, so they're not going to tell everything. But then I also said that because of what I just found out before we, you know, hit the record button. And that was that. Frank Lucas had always claimed to be one of Bumpy Johnson's drivers, and Bumpy Johnson, he, anyway, they, Godfather of Harlem on Epics or Amazon now, um, Hoodlum, those are both about Bumpy, but Frank Lucas claimed to be the driver for Bumpy, but then what I just read, it said that by the time Bumpy got out of jail, he only lived five more years, and Frank Lucas had claimed to be a driver for 15. So that's why I said loosely out. based. Okay. Um, but Bumpy Johnson was a real guy. Um, and Frank Lucas was a real guy. But Bumpy Johnson, you know, he was running numbers up in Harlem before they started dealing Hoodlum, drugs. Hoodlum? Is it Lawrence Fishburne? Is that's right. That yeah. Okay. And he was the first black guy, at least in New York, to deal with the Italians and, you know, chum up. Um, so, I mean, gangsters have been around for a while. It, not just the ones that they know of or, or the ones that everybody talks about, you know, wearing a flannel shirt and fucking baggy jeans and carrying a gun and pointing it fucking sideways. Um, these were real gangsters. Yeah, I mean, like, they did a movie with John Gotti. Uh, like, the, of course, the the the, um, the Godfather stuff is all... Like, Mario Puzo didn't... That was all bullshit. I mean, but the ideas were not bullshit. Right. It was fictional, but it was, it was based yeah. on stuff that he may have known through interviews or maybe living in New York or fucking Italy or whatever. But if it had real ties to reality, like loosely would be the operative word in that. Yes. That, that, that space. Well, and I think most of the movies we talk about, whether they're fiction or not, are going to be loosely based in reality. Unless, unless the, yeah, unless they're documentaries. Or, or sci-fi or some yeah, shit that are, like that. Yeah, intentionally. I mean, no. because... You know, the all of the movies that they did on Bonnie and Clyde or Billy the Kid and his crew, um, you know, they take 
a writer's exception here and there in order to probably make things more exciting because you don't want to say, well, they fucking sat around in this fucking empty building for three days waiting for things to blow over, or, you know, whatever. So, um, but like you're saying, all this stuff, like, and it goes to everything, like men's societies of historical fiction, boys, the boys in the hood is historical fiction. Uh, Gangs of New York is actually a lot more because, because when he was making that film, when Scorsese was making that film, he was actively talking to the guy that, uh, that did all the research. He did a good book. job. Yeah. It was, it was historically accurate. They added some things, but like, okay, so when I was doing research for gangs, to find out, you know, the first gang here in the United States that was recorded, it went all the way back to, I think it was the 1820s, and it was the 40 Thieves, and the 40 Thieves were in the gangs of New York. Um, weird. So. I mean, it's not that weird, though, because you don't have a lot of formal institutions in place. You know, uh, law and order was tenuous at best during those time periods, but I mean, I imagine inside of urban communities, there would be more possibility of those things, but like the gangs of New York clearly demonstrates, I mean, and that was, that was going on during the Civil War, right? It was like in the 1860s. It was just right before the Civil War, because then they started drafting yeah, people, draft, all of yeah. that fucking Irish immigrants were coming over because uh -huh. of the potato famine, uh -huh. and then the Civil War started, and that's when everything fucking blew up and and they had those riots yeah quite literally and that was that was true too yeah lobbing fucking cannonballs into the fucking middle of urban centers yeah totally fucking crazy but that kind of goes back to what you talked about in the the gang episode where you know a lot of these things happen because these people are in impossible situations they're destitute they're fucking poor they're fucking hungry I mean, and again, so loosely based on history, but the gangs of New York had to have some idea of what the fuck was going on in that Five Points area. He 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 was a real person too, wasn't he? The the dude with the fucking the eye. eye. I believe the butcher was real. What was it, what's his name, dude? Keep going on, like. Uh... Um, yeah, but we. But they so had all of those people jammed into that fucking church, living. And like these stacked, shitty fucking living areas. And they showed the, you know, when we did the prostitution episode, we were talking about uh, prostitution that ran, ran crib rooms. There were lots of those that they showed. Um, I mean, it was just, it would have been a fucking miserable living situation. Bill the butcher cutting. Yeah. But yeah, because I mean, ultimately, we're naturally we're naturally social beings, and you figure out that it's a lot harder to survive alone, so you band together. And in those moments, if you know that the existing system or state system is not going to provide you the tools that you need on the daily, you know, to, whether it's protection or uh, you know whatever, like gangs did a lot of. I mean, not unlike the Black Panthers, gangs did a lot of things for communities in those spaces like i know that some of the when i was looking at some of the stuff with regards to why it was that el chapo was so successful down there was because they built hospitals and shit like that they built fucking schools he put know? a lot back in it was like that robin hood type of thing yeah um so interesting to think about it like that which if i so 
Because Robin Hood, they were a gang too. Then by that definition, technically. Yeah. And his merry men. Little John. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is a fair analogy. I mean, there were definitely more than three of them. <laughs> and they did rob a lot of fucking people. So you asked me a question while I was watching Menace Society earlier, whether or not I thought, because there's not, so one of the things that uh, we sort of like we're talking about when you're talking about the definition, right, is, and the way that we imagine gangs, you know, you imagine them like, people that formally band together on, you know, is it, is it a loose connection? Is it something that gets where we jump you into the gang or like in, in the mafia where allegedly you get the, one of the cards that they burn and they stick your finger with the needle and all that. Or there's like a social club or a hangout, some central location like most biker gangs have and, yeah. and shit like that. Yeah. Or the skull and bones at Yale. Yeah. Right. Yane. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, but I don't want to get too too far ahead ahead of myself. Different but, kind of gang. Yeah, yeah. But there, I mean, but still, according to the 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 Merriam whatever Webster or whoever, who'd you say oh, you used American Heritage? American Heritage, yeah, dictionary. Then that they, they qualified George, our former, you know, both of them, I think, actually went gang jail. members yeah. for sure. And you know, they have fucking special handshakes and fucking signs and shit. When if you fuck with them, even if you're one of their friends, one of them will take you out uh, and shoot you. Yeah, hunting, and they'll shoot you. <laughs> don't 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 be afraid. But menace to society. That was a good question to ask because in the film, uh, these guys have each other's back. That's clear. Um, there are a few of them, um, and they have each other's back so much that the main the main character Kane, uh, Jada Cocaine. Pinkett, <laughs> Jada Pinkett uh, Smith, who plays. Uh, he, she's got a she's got a little boy, um, and Kane goes over and uh, helps her. But he actually he uses her money all the time too. I mean, it's very typical of what like uh, you know when you're watching The Sopranos. I remember one time Carmel is like, you know, he's like, why do you need to be investing in stocks and spending all this money? And she says, well, I gotta I gotta make sure that I'm gonna be okay if anything should happen to you. And he says, you will, you will be taken care of one way or another. And that doesn't mean you're gonna be wealthy as shit, but uh, Pussy Bop and Sarah's wife, Angie, was that yeah. her name? Like, after they popped the cap was in giving his ass. away free samples at the grocery store. <laughs> so she could make extra money, but they were still giving her money. She still owned the fucking the, the shop, which meant that she still had to do some things for them every now and again, when it had to do with the shop. But she got... She did not want for... I mean... Her, you know, Tony whole, gave her a lot a of lot shit, of though, because, yeah, because she Carmella was, was trying to beg for she was trying oh, to beg Carmella right. for money. She used her. Yeah, she used Carmella as, as a way to intervene on her behalf. And he went over there and fucking smashed her car windows in and said, oh, your dog looks OK to me. <laughs> I don't give you enough fucking money. Well, when she tries to manipulate like that, then she probably needed to get her fucking taillights broken out there. She deserved it. A little bit, a little bit. But so, like, they they go and they do that. You got the one kid with the with the um, with the braids, um, and he's selling crack. Um, but again, it's like it's like that loose the strength of loose ties. Like they're working together on some level, and they're not working against each other. Every now and again, they have a dispute. And... Those two, at least, not that they showed in the. I mean, their their only dispute was quit showing the fucking videotape. Yeah, and that, like, honestly, like. I'd have kicked his ass taking the videotape from him that night. Right. Because, I mean, he's yeah. fucking showing it all around the neighborhood. It's going to come back to bite you. And, 
everybody's making fun of fucking Kane because he's just sitting there fucking slamming a 40 and, <laughs> and doesn't even know what's the, going the, on. The dude standing behind him fucking, uh, fucking hilarious, dude. What year did that fucking episode came out in 93? And those two brothers wrote the fucking movie. Yeah, the Hughes brothers. Uh, how, how, I mean, so if it came out in 93, how old were they? 72. Okay, so it's about 21 years old, right? And I think that where they, they might have been, I'm not sure if they were twins or not. Yeah, they were twins. twins. Okay. Yeah. Um, they also did Dead, Dead Presidents. I didn't. I didn't know that. And they did uh, some other fucking uh, movie that was just very recent that I uh, was was pretty good. I thought one of them had died. Um, Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. This one. This one. Uh, Alan or Albert. They started making movies at 12, though. So, but here I got Albert here, and he's still alive. What was the other movie I was trying to? think of that oh the book of eli oh that's okay kind of, that's kind of obviously not a gang well but i guess like, there are people that band together and uh well gary, gary oldman yeah. i mean that is what i would consider a gang i mean because he sends them out on fucking jobs has them shooting people to find a bible yeah they're doing they're being very aggressive about how it is that they're trying to succeed at their at their skills so so i guess gangs are pretty much a part of everything that they uh uh that they did but Part of the reason why I wanted to go to the Mass Society thing is it helps me to kind of like think about when I was imagining the questions last night about the difference between street gangs, you know, prison gangs, uh, uh, cartels, and, you know, other like hyper-organized crime units. Like really, the only thing that distinguishes one level from another level is how organized they are with regards to what it is that they're doing. Or how many people. And, and a lot of that ends up being Be the organization, yeah. too. Because, uh -huh. you know, if you're, let's say, L.A. County, right? And, you know, okay. your numbers swell from 50 to 400. Now you start to bleed into Orange County. Yeah. And then, you know, all of a sudden you're bleeding up north and you're in fr fucking Fresno and you're down south in San Diego. Trans-jurisdictional, ultimately. Right. So more than one law enforcement agency has to handle you. But then, you know, if any of your guys are sent to prison, if it's federal prison and they send you to another fucking state, then that ends up growing the other way. I, I mean, and, and I don't know, this is... Not necessarily true. I mean, if you go to Leavenworth in Kansas, you're not necessarily going to be able to recruit a bunch of guys and then Kansas blows up, but that's kind of the way it works. So I guess it depends on your salesmanship and what you're offering. And the the institution that you're incarcerated in relative to, you know, I mean, not so at this level and then on, on those other levels, because you can get away with certain things and you're not going to get away with certain things in Leavenworth in the same way that you're going to, because you're going to be on lockdown a lot of the time. But whatever, I, I don't pretend to understand the, the hyper-technicalities of those those spaces. But. No, but so another movie that I think is important that came around the same time mm -hmm. is South Central. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Now that one is he goes to sort jail, of right? the reverse of goes, Menace to Society. The protagonist goes to jail, right? Yeah, so there's two really good friends, mm -hmm. and they start this gang. They mm -hmm. call them the Hoover Deuce. I think that one's loosely based on the Crips. Mm -hmm. I'm not positive. So they start the Hoover Deuce, and, you know, they're going in and out of county jail or whatever, but nobody's spending, you know, hard time. 
Well, crack comes on the scene. Um, this dude, Bobby, they call him badass Bobby Johnson. Um, not Robert Johnson for you blues fans, but he, uh, ends up shooting a guy that was fucking with this girl and he goes to jail mainly because his fucking friends are idiots, but he ends up going to prison for that murder. Um, these Muslims, and not real Muslims, but Nation of Islam Muslims, kind of take him under their wing and show him how to rehabilitate, as opposed to being a gangbanger and just whatever. He comes out later, and he wants to find his kid, but and his kid's like older now. I mean, when he went in, he was a baby, and now he's... I can't remember, 10, 12, something like that. Maybe 8, 9, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Like I said. I'm just going with you on the ride right now, brother. So he's trying to get his kid back, but his kid was fucking up. And he's got this kind of anger because the guy that told him to murder the other guy ended up making a shitload of money off a of crack, plus he had his son out stealing car radios and doing shit like that. So his he's buddy, using, he had his buddy's son. Yeah. Okay. So he's using all these little kids, including Bobby Johnson's kid to do shit. Cause they're not subject to the same legal sanctions. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Enter Don Cheadle from a uh, bully or any, I mean, but he had a good description of why yeah. he was kids. In those moments, so, and that, they did the same thing in the wire. I mean, okay. they're using those kids because if they get popped, they're not going to go away for a long time, yeah. whatever. Um, but he came out, and, and finally he ended up tracking down his kid, and the kid had gotten shot in the back with a shotgun because he was stealing a car stereo. Well, the guy that had fucked over Bobby Johnson had pulled the kid in and was about to make the kid shoot the guy that shot him. And they ended up, the, Bobby Johnson found his kid and found, you know, where they were. And he said, look, you can't, you can't do this. He said, if you steal someone's shit, and that isn't what he said, but you get kind of the point. If you steal someone's shit, you can make reparations. You can give him his shit back. But if you take his life. You can't do that. There's no, there's no going back. back. Yeah. And they end up getting in this big fucking fight. And the one guy pulls the gun and says, fuck you. His old friend. Yeah. And he says, you know what? I He's my son. I'll give up my life for him. Mm -hmm. But you got to let him go. Mm -hmm. um, That's a good scene. It was a badass movie. <laughs> and he didn't end up shooting him. He's said, fuck it, I guess he's not my kid, and he put his gun away, and, and they walked off, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say they lived happily ever after, because yeah. they were going back to the shitty situation they were in yeah. to begin with. Like V for Mendetta the next day. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. But they were together, yeah. and now there may have been more of a chance, because that kid now had a father, when generation after generation 
after generation of these guys were being raised without fathers. So that was that was something that they that they addressed that peripherally. I mean, they address them in a lot of these movies, but in Menace to Society, I mean, both his parents, his mom was a was a crackhead who ended up dying or a heroin heroin junkie, yeah, yeah. So dying of an overdose. His father was played by Samuel L. Jackson. I always love little Samuel L. Jackson in a movie, but uh, he uh, ended up getting killed. Something went wrong. He goes and gets raised by his. Uh, uh, parents, but grandparents. Yes, grandparents. I'm sorry. Excuse me. And then he gets that other gal pregnant, and immediately says at the end, at the end of the film, there's the, the one that shoots him, comes after him and shoots him. Oh yeah, he, yeah, yeah. That pregnant girl. Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah, he didn't get he didn't, he didn't get himself a little Jada Pinkett Smith quite. Yeah, well, I guess she was Jada Pinkett probably at that point in time. Yeah. But uh, either way, um, uh, she's crying about it. He goes over there and does that. Oh, but, but we're gonna oh, twist she, this motherfucker's yeah, cat twist, back. That's right, twist his cat back. That's fucking. Sometimes the nomenclature is just delightful. But uh, um, I mean, deli- I mean, talking about how to kill somebody, maybe not <laughs> delightful, might not be the right, the appropriate designation. But having said that, the girl, um, she goes to him and says, um, "I'm pregnant," and and he immediately says, "She says you're the only person I've been with," and he just. So, like, the concept of absentee fathers, particularly, and I don't want to be, like, the that stupid fucking report that Pat, David Patrick Moynihan did that justified not dealing with the political economy of circumstances in, in those types of uh, neighborhoods was bullshit. But there is no doubt that shit's a lot tougher if you don't have your parents. And for that kid to have his dad at South Central, and especially for him to make that kind of a gesture in front of him, that, that can change, that can alter the trajectory of somebody's life, for sure. The nope. kid's life. In that I think it was important. Um, but I mean, a lot of these guys. So American History X is another one where, you know, he grew up without a dad. Mm-hmm. Now, did his dad get, how did that, did his dad, his dad was a fireman and he went in to fucking rescue somebody. Cause you remember he did his tirade on the news and he's like, yeah. mm-hmm. he went into a crack. House oh, when he was still yeah when he, Ed Norton when he and they shot him yeah and he's getting all emotional about it and then he starts to echo the the stuff that his father had said to him all of his life. So. Well, there was that echoing of the father thing, but then that fucking Stacy Keach character, whatever the fuck they called him, um, came in and started filling his head with all sorts of bullshit. Stacey. Oh, the uh, um the, the the older guy. Okay. Um. So weirdo. I mean, obviously, not everyone that grows up without a dad is going to end up in prison. Um, they may fuck up a lot. I grew up without a dad, but well, and if you believe the Littleton police, I had a gang. So maybe, maybe it's just kids without fathers. But I mean, dude, all up and down, well, all over. Littleton High School, there were kids without fucking dads. And even if your dad is there, he might not actually be there. Um, I can think of several that are like that. <laughs> um, but American History X, I think, and I don't know, am I going the wrong fucking way no, on no, 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 what no. we're talking no, about? No, 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 no. I, I, was, I actually almost brought it up two minutes before you. Yeah, I was, that's, I mean, of course it makes, it makes perfect sense. And it makes perfect sense for like, he, Daniel did not have that's the name, right, Danny? Yeah. Okay. He did. Like once his father dies, his mom was. They were. They lived in that shitty little fucking apartment. 
I mean, escape. So like, I'll, like, they didn't live in the shitty apartment till after he got out of prison. Oh, really? Because they had a badass house. But, they, lo- but they, they lost it because the dad wasn't was gone. Though, right, right. But they were still in that house when he fucking curbed Killed, that. Yeah, curbed that crib. guy. Yeah. So he was angry, and he's not in a position to where he can help the mom, and they lose. But no matter what, like in that in that space after he loses his dad because his dad was the breadwinner, you know, presumably. And of course, I'm drawing, you know, hypotheses based on what limited information they give you. But they were, their family was going to be fucked at that point in time. The mom was going to have to go work. What? What's in your What's in your mind? It was Derek. Oh, Derek. Danny's Derek. The, Danny's, Danny's the, the younger one. Yeah, okay. But dude, have you seen a picture of? Does that kid, that younger kid that was in the Terminator in American History X, does he have, like, cancer or some shit? Why, is he short? No, he's fucking, like, fat, and maybe he's stoned in this picture. I don't know, but he looks kind of sick, dude. Um, Edward Furlong. Yeah. He doesn't look like he did in the Terminator or... American history. Yeah, the, the picture that I'm seeing is not uh, it's not current enough. So let's see what Pumpy looks like. Um. So. Oh my God, he's got a he's got a giant melon. He's got to have a thyroid problem. Or yeah, something. he's fucked up. It looks like he's retaining a lot of water. Maybe he's a waterhead, dude. He looks kind of fucking. <laughs> he looks. Maybe he can go talk to. be a water boy. Talk to Adam Sandler. But that was another one that had this weird result like it's all fucked up and you think he's gonna be a skinhead and like when they raided that fucking grocery store it just made me sick watching them fucking like pour that milk all over that mexican girl and throwing that dude into the beans and whatever it was just fucked up and for no reason at all they weren't even robbing them they were just terrorizing yeah They want them gone. I mean, that's what their long-term intentions are. And so you think, okay, this movie is going to be fucking horrible from the get, right off the bat. And it's going to be nasty and, and whatever. And he goes to prison and ends up telling all of the other fucking white supremacist people to go fuck themselves. And the dude that works with them in the laundry is black. Oh, so he must be sick, dude. Yeah, something's not right there. Um, you know, he says, you can't do that. You can't tell your people to fuck off. You need to be with your own people in here. And that guy was fucking awesome. The guy that played his, uh, in the, in the, the cleaning the fucking clothes place. Yeah. His name was Guy Tory. That's his real name. Uh-huh. And he played a guy named Lamont. Um, Wonderful. but he was the one that, Probably, he never admitted it, but he was probably the guy that saved Derek's life. Mm-hmm. Dude, absolutely. Because he would never found his way. And he was had so much of a... Well, no, no, no. Shoulder. I mean, really fucking saved his That's life. That's why yeah. Yeah, he, he had so much of a chip on his shoulder. He was going to put himself in a spot and get killed. Or something bad would happen. No, no. Like, I mean, nobody came after him after a certain point. They quit fucking with him. They raped him in the shower. And then all of a sudden, you yeah, know, I, he I, said, I thought it was coming. I thought it was coming. I thought it was every coming. Day. I know. He said, yeah, but that's why I'm saying, like, when he got him to readjust the way that he was conducting himself inside of there, because he did just start just being, like you said, 
going and sitting by himself, staying the fuck away from everybody, reading, you know. Yeah, but I don't know if that helps, dude. I mean, if they want to kill you. I What I'm saying, and, and Derek, Derek implied the same thing. He said, why didn't they come after me? He uh-huh. said, I know you had something to do with it. Uh-huh. And he said, no, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Because they, they'd see him reading the book, and then it would just show these black guys walking by. Or the skinheads. Or the white guys. Walking, yeah. All of them. Yeah. Um, and he right. said, I know you had something to do with it. But yeah. that that's fine. The, the thing to make him readjust the way he thought is absolutely true. But another great fucking movie. The only sad thing is, is that this guy that's fucking missing his teeth and is all fat now, um, ended up dying at the end in a fucking pisser because some little gangbanger shot him because he blew smoke in his face and talked shit to him. I mean, obviously that was one of the points they're trying to make is the cycle, you know, that you can never get out of that cycle. If you keep, you know, if you want to commit, if you want to get the last word in, if you want to commit the last act of violence and you keep doing it, then it just is always going to be somebody's going to go after him and then somebody's going to go after him and then somebody's going to go after him and then... There is a weird cycle. And I understand what you're talking about because that's kind of like the Hatfields and the McCoys, right? They killed one of ours, we're going to kill one of them. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until these hillbillies call a truce. But the black kid that shot him, shot him because he felt disrespected. And I don't think people know what the fucking word respect means. Respect isn't something, I mean, because there's a difference between fear and respect. And I think that a lot of these people want to be feared, not respected. Do do you know what I mean? I I think that you're taking it too deep, though, like in that moment. I mean, he's a 16-year-old kid. I mean, the kid that shoots him. Right. I just think that they're like, it's not so you're you I mean you're putting you're capping a principle on something where No, no, he talked to that other gangbanger about it on the basketball court. Yeah, he but, said, Yeah, that's him. He disrespected me. Okay. That's you, right. I still, I'm I wrong. Think, I think I, you no, I'm not saying you're wrong, motherfucker. I just said I think that you're taking it to a point where like you're trying to make something concrete where it's an emotional position where like so if he's getting disrespected, then he just you know I, I, again I, I, I don't wanna this is not a, a good use of our time. I think ultimately arguing over whether or not the question is, is disrespect or. <laughs> but it happens in a lot of these gangs, mm-hmm. you know, um, John Gotti, which you can watch several movies about him, or you can watch several movies about Sammy, the bull Gravano, who was the one that fucking ratted Gotti out. Um, all of them always talked about respect. And. Again, I I think that based on the movies that I've seen, because I never met fucking John Gotti in real life. I don't know. For all I know, he's a great fucking guy, and he understood what respect was. But I think that they ruled by fear for the most part. That's all I was saying. I'll back off. Talk about a fucking movie or a book or something. I'd rather just spend two and a half minutes, you know, (laughs) making sure that you don't get the last fucking word in on something that I just basically conceded. It was a waste of fucking time, right? So, All right, good talk. Yeah. Um, so the weird thing about a lot of the 
aspects of these spaces. So the gentleman, I did, I'd never seen that. I watched that earlier today, right? One of the really fucking um, odd headspaces that they bring up in that was they bring up some stuff about substance, use, the use of substance on some. They do it really in these weird, quick, veiled ways. But like Matthew McConaughey makes this comment about when he's going and talking to the um, Chinese guy after he fucking When he's talking him. to him about vice. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and he, he put what, what what is that fucking? I don't know what the fuck he poisoned him with. He, he fucking power puked though, like a motherfucker. He but then he's like, "Here, have this biscuit, and you'll feel better in about a half an hour." It, it was like it was like Stand by Me, the pie contest again, but just with one with one Chinaman. So yeah. But uh, either way, um, in that like what when he makes that comment is he making a comment about how selling certain kind of drugs is not appropriate and he's like i only do weed because they made that comment at another point in the movie yeah. when um what's his name from the sons of anarchy went up to grab that girl from the apartment where the kid ended up falling he made that comment there too because he's like you know, I don't understand what you kids are doing. Personally, I like to just, you know, roll That's right. Yeah. Roll up a cigarette. Half and half is usually what I do. Yeah, 50-50. Yeah. He's, he's a funny character. Um, oh, dude, I, I love that fucking movie. Yeah, but so. so Guy Ritchie has heroin kind of speckled through a few of his movies. Or, or at least drug use, for sure. Um, weed, definitely. But maybe he was saying that, is, I like weed, heroin is no good, or coke is no good, or, or whatever. And in this particular instance, it was heroin. But when he was talking to the Chinese guy, because the Chinese guy, I think, sold more than just heroin. Um, he said coke. I mean, he referred to both coke and heroin in that moment, for sure. And then, then they go to the, or maybe it was crystal and heroin that they were referring to. Because he goes to, he sends those people to the lab, and they burn the lab. We don't see what they're making in the lab. Which lab? There was a, so while he's talking to them, there's a moment where uh, one of uh, Matthew McConaughey's people goes to that guy's lab, one of his labs where they do their, their drugs, because he thought that he had fucked with his lab. And they burned it down. You're gonna have to go back. Dude, did it. I miss an you entire know. fucking section it, of the movie? But, but, no, dude, it's fine. But, but you know him, Guy yeah. Ritchie. Uh, there is no, there's not sections. I mean, you have these moments where you just flip from this to that to this to that. It happens fairly, and he's going back and forth. And I think they only do three shots there, but it's very, it's very Guy Ritchie. You know, it's very dude snatch. You know, and all that kind dude, of stuff. Dude, I, locks, I locks. think the guy is fucking brilliant. He's a, he's a very uh, film filmmaker. Um, and certainly has a lot to say about gangs and gang violence and drugs. <laughs> right. And again, we're and using that that gang definition as just a group of people with a similar goal. Not that they're throwing signs and whatever. But if you work with Matthew Brick McConaughey House. was definitely a gang. Yeah. Brick House was definitely a gang. The Asian that Asian group. Yeah, that was a gang. those guys at the fucking taxi stand in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels—they were definitely a gang. The uh, I don't so, but what about the uh, the MMA kids? They were well. I mean, that was 
Do you consider them a gang because their goal is to learn to fight? Well, that's where we're, you're getting into some really weird technicalities, but there's no doubt, like, if I'm Matthew McConaughey, I'm going to go fucking give uh, Colin Farrell, you know, a six-figure uh, hello and make sure that he knows that you guys need to work for me just here and there from here until the end of time, and then you'll never have to worry about money again because those kids were fucking awesome, dude. Dude, and they fucking <laughs> saved his ass at the yeah. end of the movie. But you remember that was when Colin <laughs> Farrell held up his fingers when he was leaving because he saved Sons of Anarchy guy. And I never can remember his fucking name. He's in a bunch of shit, but... Which one? The one uh, that was his, his top lieutenant? Or yeah, yeah, that's Charlie. the guy. Charlie Hunnam. He was in Pacifica Rim, too. Yeah. Um, so, I, I loved that fucking movie. I thought it was great. They fucked with you really bad. I mean, of course. Like, I, I, I totally thought, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it, go the fuck away for a minute because I'm going to fucking ruin everything right here. I thought Matthew McConaughey was fucking dead, you know? I mean, I was like, I really don't want that to happen. I, I kind of like wanted to see that character develop a little bit. Dude, but the little fucking Weasley dude... You know, that was trying to rip him off, that fucking set up the whole thing with the raid on his weed farm and Dude. all of that. When he's like, and he goes, well, it's just business. And he said, fine, it is just business. But they fucked with my wife. So now I'm getting my pound of flesh. That might, and he's fucking... That scene, <laughs> that scene right there, because I'd seen that scene before, and I didn't know that that was from the gentleman. I, I, I was like, I need to find out where the fuck that movie because I'd seen the Pound of Flesh comment. That may be one of my new top five scenes in the history. Dude, of it's just so badass. And he said, oh, well, excuse me. Are you saying you do not know the Chinaman hung right here? No, I don't know him. Oh, well, here, take a look at this video. <laughs> yeah. So you calculated up to $270 million, So <laughs> that's what you owe me now. But... Oh man, and you're gonna go back in there, and you're gonna get you're gonna get it for me. Or if you don't, he is. And if you don't, then you're gonna stay in here. And if I was him, at not that point one time, gram shy, dude. Yeah. Not one gram shy. If I was him at that point, I might just go in there and just let myself freeze to death because I don't know that I could cut a pound of flesh off of my body. No, probably I don't know. I think what may have happened because I think a pound of flesh. I mean. You're dead, dude, regardless. Nothing more. Right? Nothing less. Because, I mean, even me, and I'm a kind of a fat bastard, I think if you fucking trimmed... Get in my bed. Right. I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm going to die. Yeah. I just. So yeah. then, at that point, I'm just going to fucking fight them to where they have to kill me. You know where that's from, though, right? The, the, the line? Not one gram shy? No, the, well, the, the, the pound of flesh concept. It was somewhere in Shakespeare, yeah, right? Yeah, Merchant of Venice, but like it is like in that cutthroat, fucking evil, like what what business people go, you know? I mean, it's like the beauty, of, dude. Really, honestly, like I've seen the scene once now, and it's it's it, it shot like right into my top five scenes, like immediately. That's not true. Like I said, I had seen it out of context before when I was seeing all these Matthew McConaughey clips for something like you know they did this one for True Detective and this one from Time to Kill. And then they did that one. I was like, where the fuck did that fucking come from? That is a fucking crazy scene. So I Damn. know you and I seriously have to do it at some point. But I really think at this point in my life, I like Guy Ritchie better than I like Tarantino. Oh, so and I love fucking Tarantino. 
I need to go back and rewatch uh what's it called? Um the Nazi one. Um the one where the guy got the Academy. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I need to go watch it. And I need to watch it like three fucking times. Because QT, you know, he he's not someone you generally you you need to go through things a few times. And Guy Ritchie is very similar in that respect. Like there's things are moving around so quickly. Well, and they both have such fucking and I don't know if it's their taste or not, but the fucking music yeah, the and all awesome. of those fucking movies are just rad. The soundtracks are awesome. Um so since we're talking about gangster movies, gang movies, and I just mentioned Tarantino. Pulp Fiction, dude. I mean, seriously. And, well, Jackie Brown, to some degree? Kill Bills? Well, of course Kill Bill does, because you've got multiple gangs that are, that are coming into contact. Like, um, Jackie Brown, so they had affiliations, but you don't get to see very deep. Or well, I don't know how many were attached. Okay, so with Samuel L. Jackson, he had the guy, because it, was it Chris Tucker that he killed? And put in the trunk. Was it Chris Tucker? Yeah, yeah. Holy fuck. Okay, so that was like that, maybe the first time I seen Chris Tucker. That's two. Other than uh, and then if you add De Niro, that's three. So by law enforcement definition, <laughs> we've got a gang. I, I just never heard of it. I never created <clears throat> you to appeal to that authority. Law no. enforcement, according to uh, Marian, or not the uh, American Heritage. So. Um. And they never showed, but I mean, obviously, he's got to have contacts on the other side of the border. Oh, yeah, and if you take Jackie Brown, that's four. And she was just a meal for him, like, for the most part. Right. You know the scene where Samuel, they got, like, the the, the camera from in front of the car, and uh, it's sort of coming down like this, and, and uh, Samuel Jackson's just sitting there like that, and he's... You mean when he's about to kill the guy in the trunk? I, I think he, he looks was it like, nighttime? He, yeah, and he yeah. looks like a fucking like a skeleton, like in that just like I'm I'm evil, like in fucking you know, uh, person I'm evil, in, you know I'm personified through like this body. And he puts those fucking gloves on. I love the fact that he puts that tape in and he's just cranking that music when he's, he's like, driving around. The, Del, the Delphonics, isn't that what most of the? Well, that's what. That's what Jackie was listening to, and then that's what the bail bondsman was listening to because of Jackie's recommendation. But was that what Samuel L. Jackson was listening to? I'm not sure, but that's right because they had a connection. They had had a little love connection because of the Delphonics. Yeah. Fucking weird. And then Samuel L. Jackson made the comment about it when the bail bondsman was listening to it. He's like, the Delphonics? I would have never thought you'd listen. And he's like, oh, no, I just picked it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, then if you don't consider Jackie Brown. I'm not saying that I don't. Well, no, but I mean. They're just not as organized. But Pulp so Fiction, it's, for it's sure. A, yeah, because they're hyper-organized. Mar- Whit, 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 Whit Marcellus is a. Marcellus Wallace, not the fucking saxophone player. Marcellus Wallace is definitely. He has a network of people that he has. I mean, he's fixing boxing matches and shit like that. You know? Yeah. Sitting there fucking waiting to cap a motherfucker, you know. I want you to scour the earth. If he turns up in China. I want I want it to, 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 uh, to pop out of a rice patty and uh, put a cap in his ass. Something like that. Effect. Rice bowl. Rice bowl. Pop yeah. out of a rice bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I can't because it's all about the N-word with, with QT. Well, dude... And if you guys have not seen 
Pulp Fiction. I don't know what the fuck is wrong yeah, with it. That's the best written movie ever. The dialogue that goes on between the two of them, you know. What you know what's gonna happen if my wife comes in here and sees a bunch of guys, gangsters doing gangster shit. So, I mean they are gangsters. They identify themselves as gangsters. Quentin Tarantino's character works for them in some sort of ancillary capacity because he's a part of the network that they utilize, just like the wolf is a member of their network. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yes. Tarantino was just a friend of Jules, dude, because he said, I got a partner over here. I don't know anybody else in 818. You know why I don't get because I'm not that's because I'm not in the business. Right. But that I, I just sort of took that to mean that because Jules does not have friend relationships and he certainly doesn't have friend relationships with white guys in the valley. He has business relationships that's just the way i imagined it in my head and of course it's not something that's it's explained really clearly no that's fine mm-hmm. i just never thought of it as him being part of it because even when the wolf showed up mm-hmm. you know he's like well these were a gift from my aunt jenny and he's like <laughs> well does your aunt jenny like oak <laughs> 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 oh, i'm an oak man I'm an old fan myself. Yeah. <laughs> so. Dude, Harvey Keitel, dude, everybody in that movie, like Harvey, Harvey Keitel's on, the thing we are talking about earlier about how, like, somebody's not a main character or something. Yeah. But they are so fucking important, like, because we're talking about Cousin Eddie, right? Yeah. Harvey the Wolf, motherfucker. You know? You calling in the wolf? Shit, Negro, that's all you had to say. Dude, one of my favorite lines in the whole fucking movie I think she's only in like two scenes, but when they pull up to the junkyard and they're dropping off the car with the body in it, um, she's like, so are you guys going to a volleyball game or what? <laughs> Just because you are a character does not mean that you have characters. <clears throat> Fucking hilarious, dude. So many good gangster movies. And I guess it depends on, you know, are you... Because Pulp Fiction, The Gentleman, you know, those those movies are fiction. Do you want something like that? Which there's a shitload of those, too. I mean, we just named several of them. But then there's the ones that are like American Gangster, which are somewhat rooted in history. Um Fuck, I don't know, dude. Well, I don't know which ones I like more. Well, I don't like they feel a different function, though, right? I mean, the historical fiction stuff gives us kind of like a Kodak moment where we can sit here and look at these things that have sort of happened in our past and see something about where we come from, see something about the the dynamics of how it is that certain things came to be, you know, in in our society. I mean, did we? socially like we are so and this is something we've talked about a little bit here and there anyway we are so fucking obsessed with like vigilante criminal positions the gangster is a very explicit in certain moments they're a very explicit expression of that and like and so you consider gangsters an anti-hero type well no i don't i i'm so i was gonna just sorry no it's okay but so like the uniqueness of Pulp Fiction is that you have this moment where you have a gangster who observes what he identifies as divine intervention, and it alters the trajectory of his existence. He experiences that with another human who chooses not to acknowledge that. His eyes fucking missed us, right? 
so there's this whole concept of like choice in that moment, like where, um, like I, I've seen something like a, I can't continue to live my life the way that I've been living my life, right? So there is that that he he alters his trajectory based on this moral disposition because he literally feels like the skies parted and God said, "Jules, I am up above you and I'm showing you that I exist." And you better not be a motherfucker anymore, or else you might end up on a, t a toilet and get fucking shot with a fucking automatic weapon that's got a silencer on it, you know? So, and then, of course, for Vincent, it goes the other direction, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, and, of course, Quentin Tarantino, like, he won't even engage anybody in the dialogue with regards to whether or not that's true, or because he, he that's his art, art thing. Like, just like anybody that does what he does. Like, he wants to leave it up to people, but... On some level, of course, anti-gangster is a part of what, or anti-anti-hero uh, uh, hero is is a part of that. But there's also it's like a duality inside of us, right? That that the thing that they do, the horrible thing, it's like Dexter, you know, like we we sort of fantasize, and Dexter is the opposite of a gang. He is a, a sole actor, an actor by himself. But this the idea is still similar, where. Uh, you're in a world where there's no justice that's functioning properly. Um, and the only way that I can equalize that is to become a dark actor, an actor that makes some, you know, Batman like kind of choices and does some fucking, you know, horrible things. And, uh, but gangsters as a whole, like, and that's where it gets complicated in the, in the Pulp Fiction things. You're doing it as a group, right? And Marcellus Wallace is never going to stop being, what he is right vincent is this weird guy that doesn't think deeply enough about the weird shit that goes on in life and jules thought that he knew but then something happened that made him reevaluate everything that he was doing so in that space marcellus wallace is going to continue to commit these acts he's going to provide space for vice to enact itself He's going to, you know, the gambling and I'm sure the drugs or whatever else comes into all that difference. But obviously, they don't elaborate on, on a lot of it. It's just all stuff that you sort of make a, a guess about. But then, uh, again, Vincent was too weak-minded to negotiate the question in a complicated way. And Jules decided that he was going to be a bum, like Kane from Kung Fu, going around, getting in adventures and shit like that. I'm with the Kane from Kung Fu thing. Mm -hmm. I just don't know if I agree with you on the Vincent Vega thing. What do you mean? To say that he was too weak-minded. I mean, because, dude, so I'm, I don't even know if I'm fucking spiritual, right? So if that happened to me, I may, I might say, well, how the fuck did this happen? But I'm not immediately going to say, well, this is fucking divine intervention, I guess, you know. Hallelujah. And then, you know, go off and start getting into fucking adventures and shit. Man, I don't even have an opinion. Boom. <laughs> I mean, that's such an important scene, dude. It's so important. I don't. And, and this is probably a fucking entirely different episode in and of itself. But we, and I don't mean you and me, Literally. I mean, as a society, have a tendency to bring... Another, I don't want to say being, another power, something else into arguments when we don't necessarily understand what it is that the author 
or the director or whomever was trying to say. And with the Matrix, and I understand that there are certain lines that can be drawn to Christianity, but every fucking Christian I ever talked to, and when I say Christian, I mean the ones that go to church on Wednesday and, and Sunday and, you know, they fucking Jesus. tithe and all of that shit. Yeah, I mean, they say that it's all about fucking religion. And I've heard the argument with Pulp Fiction also that the Band-Aid on the back of Wallace's head was where they took his soul and the soul is in the briefcase and that's why it's 666 on the fucking briefcase code. Well, I don't know what fucking footage they've seen, but I've never seen it actually go to 666. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's the real code or not. For all I know, the Band-Aid on his head is because he likes boxing. Do you know what I mean? Or Melly. (laughs) of course and that's like that i was watching an interview with quentin tarantino the other day and uh they were talking about that point um and he's like i'm not gonna go down that i'm not gonna go down that road with you so when i said but like i'm trying to keep it to the best i said god because i i have to be expeditious with regards to our space here i i mean but ultimately jewel says this is divine intervention. And Vincent says, this doesn't qualify, right? And he says, it doesn't matter whether they change Coke into Pepsi or blah, 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 blah. It's not about scope, basically, is the argument that he makes in that moment. And Vincent goes back to that space. You're, you're, you're right. Like people in, in the infinite expression of narcissism will take something and make it mean however it applies to them specifically sometimes right. because they have to... They're, 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 you know, Bobby centric or Julie centric, or they have to, they're the center of the universe. Therefore they have to pop it back in. Well, it's all about understanding at that point. And people don't like what they can't understand. Just asking the question is not enough to most people. So they have to say, no, this is what it is. I understand it now. And that's why people go to fucking church and shit because some fucking dildo tells them that that's what it is. Yes, yeah, so this fantasy world that you're living in is the real world because I'm telling you it is because I'm going to give you a really good story that's going to make you feel better about yourself and put it into a narrative that makes sense and it's going to allow you to sleep easier at night and not have to worry about the fact that you're, you know, giving money to the fucking Pentagon to blow motherfuckers up in the Ukraine and China, Russia right now. All of those different, yeah, sorry. I, I'm glad that you finally mentioned that. I was going to ask you when you were going to mention the Ukraine. <laughs> what, what point are we at? We're coming up on an hour. Really? But yeah, what, yeah. I wanted, what I wanted to ask you, though, is, okay, so I don't really consider you a religious person. You're probably more spiritual than I am, though. Like, you're the one that told me the pentagram could bring bad the energy mojo. Yeah, okay, yeah. We're not going to get into that conversation. No, 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 no. But I did have a pentagram on my wall, just so that the audience knows what the because fuck I'm talking about. Brian used to go into the basement and go, Barry, you got Woody, Satan, Satan, Satan. But I think probably with the the Jules and, and Vincent argument, I'm probably like midway between the two of them, dude. And, and I'm not trying to take the easy way out, but I think 
well, maybe I'm closer to Vincent than I am to Jules, because there's no fucking way I'd ever say this is divine intervention. I think probably more than anything, I'd say, holy shit, I can't believe not one of those fucking bullets hit me. <laughs> I am the luckiest motherfucker on the face of the earth, and I'd go buy a Powerball ticket. And then I'd still lose, but... Do you know? Do you know what I mean? I understand what you're saying, but you're a fucking goofball. I know. I I am about half retarded. In two years, you might take a picture of me, and I'll look like Edward Furlong. Um, <laughs> I I almost really did a dick thing, but I'm 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 trying to contain my assholeness right now a little bit. Um, it's hard for me sometimes, you know. Okay, so we talked about Tarantino and Richie, and, and I still think we need to have an episode down the road with that. Just but, compare, the idea is to, to, to compare and contrast and to try to figure out whether or not we like one of them better than the other, or what does one do better than the other, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned most of my favorite gangster movies. I mean, Menace to Society, I, I continually watch that shit, and South Central... Um, you mentioned dead presidents. Now, they're bank robbers, right? Never those seen a movie. those guys would be more of a crew okay. than a gang. I, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, because sure. again, but they did have a local place to hang out. Mm -hmm. You know, they they hung out in a bar, and when dude got back from Vietnam, things were hard, so they decided to rob. I think it was the Federal Reserve. Well, that's, if you're going to go, go big or go home. Right? Yeah. Um, it was a good fucking movie, too. And and it talks about, again, those destitute situations, mm -hmm. dude. Now, here's the thing that I want to say is that it isn't like all of the movies or three quarters of the movies that I talked about that were my favorites were about black people. Mm -hmm. It's not only black people that are in these destitute situations. Well, I guess maybe well, four-fifths. We talked no, about no. those in other contexts. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, we did. But what I was going to say is that, like, we didn't talk about any of the ones that were kind of historical. So... And I say kind of because, again, it's loosely based. So one of the older gangs besides the 40 Thieves was also the Cowboys, and they were mentioned in Tombstone. So if you haven't seen Tombstone, I don't even think you have to like Westerns in order to like Tombstone. Well, it's interesting because, like, if, if you are about history or if you're curious about where how things sort of, like, come into being, like the cowboys, and they have these fucking red sashes and all this shit. Like it, it's a way of like imagining the first moments where these, and they were coming together for definitely because together they could rob motherfuckers better and you know rob and pillage better. Well, and the the cowboys because it was generally the Southwest. Obviously, Tombstone, Arizona is in the Southwest, but they were the red sashes. But it wasn't just white guys, and, and they were called the Cowboys, not like everybody refers to the Cowboys now, but it wasn't just white guys. It was whites and 
probably Native Americans, but definitely Mexicans. Yeah. So it was a combination of, Cabal of the two. Caballeros. Right. <laughs> yeah, my Spanish sucks. I know that. Caballeros Rojos. That's um, so I guess you can find maybe gangster activity in about any movie that you fucking watch. But I had to mention Tombstone because we mentioned Gangs of New York and that's where the 40 Thieves were. Not too long after that, well, I guess 40 years after you know that. What, so when did you say that the 40 Thieves originally? I think it was 1820. But, you know, if you want to go back to real fucking history, like in the fucking 1700s, they had gangs in England with stupid fucking names like the Mems and... I can't even remember all of them. They listed like four of them. But um, these guys all wore colors to differentiate themselves too. But most of those gangs at the time, they weren't robbing people or doing anything. They were just vandalizing shit and breaking up bars and fighting and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, gangs go back. And if you think of maybe tribal warfare, then it really goes back. Um, that iteration, because I mean, so like then if it really is by that definition, anybody that doesn't function on behalf of the state, you know, for their activity, which again, we could argue that other point, because I even still think that if like, if you look at like the way that, you know, like the Eastern and Trading Company was functioning at that time period, because yes, they were backed to be backed by the crown is different than being a functionary on behalf of the crown. Even though you're the things that you're you're stealing, they're they're benefiting from. Or the, I mean, or expropriating, whatever you know. <laughs> what was but the certainly pirates in their own right were obviously gangs too, but they were a gang for the. What was crown. the splinter group of the the East India? Because, I mean, because they had somebody that just kind of focused on furs and shit. I know that they started off that way, but I thought that... You really need to go watch that, bro. You need to go watch that, bro. That's, that's like one of the... The whole point of it, it, it ties into the fur, the people that were functioning on, on behalf of the fur trade side of stuff. Like, he had the main character, like the, the um, East Indian Trading Company, the Crown, were trying to stop him. He had uh, this huge land grant that was in British Columbia. Um... And uh, the whole intention was it gave you access and location to be able to do massive amounts of of fur trading activities. Um, well, killing they, beavers for sure. Well, and they uh, their their intention was to kill kill him so they could go kill some other beavers. So, but you you really taboo is like you want to talk about a dark ass. My buddy the, Brian, our hopefully our sound effects guy at some point in time. He's like, dude, you got to watch this. And it's got uh, that, that one British film, the one that was in, uh, I was talking to you about that movie the other day where there were the bootleggers, their um, loyalty or not loyalty. Um, he's an in inception. He's oh, you're in, talking about the one with fucking Shia LaBeouf in yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. What's the, what's the main character's name? Um, oh, fuck. Because they were hillbillies down in fucking Kentucky or some yeah, shit. Yeah, uh-huh. No, no, not that one. God damn it, motherfucker. Uh, but either way. But he, it was three brothers, and they were, and they ended up fighting the Chicago mob, essentially. Yeah, and the, but the, the, main, the main guy in that movie um, in the show uh, is just fucking 
He's nasty, dude. Taboo? Is it on Netflix? I, I think it, it's a show that's on, for some reason, this is not coming up through IBD. I can't, I can't figure it out. But no, it's, I found it on, it was on Hulu when I was watching it. And it's through um, Fox. I think Fox is the people that created the original. Um, and then I'm probably not going to like it. I need curse words and shit, dude. I'm fucking dude, simple it, that way. It was, it has curse words. Mm. Tom Hardy is the, is the main. Oh yeah. Character. Okay. So he was like the third brother. Well, maybe not. I don't know. He is, as far as I'm concerned, he's the lesser known out of those three. Mm -hmm. um, the brothers in that movie. He's fucking scary and taboo, dude. He's yeah. Don't don't worry. The uh, the graphic nature of and the time period. There are certain things that go on in that headspace that is so fucking graphic. It just wouldn't be. You're not respecting the historical fiction quality of it. I mean, because the East East Indian Trading Company was fucking just relentless. There's another Netflix show that talks about East India a lot, um, and I can't remember what the fuck it's called, but it's got um, fucking dude from Game of Thrones. Oh, Jon Snow's character? Or? Yeah, the, the, no, 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 the Not one kid. that played Aquaman. Um, oh, oh, the big guy. Yeah. The big fella, the, the horse rider guy. He's in... Some show Jason that, Momoa. Yeah. Um they have a show that talks about the East India trading company a lot. And he's in it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I I that's one of those things that I just don't know enough about and I really think that understanding what they were doing during that time period, the way that they were using it's called Frontier. That. And it's not about the East India. I apologize. So it's about the Hudson Bay Company, okay. which I think that's the splinter group that I was thinking the, of. The that's the East India. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I know what you're talking about. I'll take a peek at that. He's a fucking weirdo, dude. He's a big motherfucker, too. Dude, I can't even imagine. Like, I used to kind of try to exercise a long time ago. <laughs> Now that I'm fucking older, there's no way. Like, there's a movie where The Rock is in it, and what what's his real name? Dwayne something, right? Yeah. So Dwayne whatever is in this Johnson. movie. And he says, well, no, all I did to get this way is work out like eight hours a day every day. There's no fucking way I'm putting that much activity into it. All I did was... <laughs> take weight growth medicine and shoot myself up with steroids and now my kidneys are shutting down on me. Um, alright so we're at a minute 10 in the second half of this episode we are going to maybe talk about some more movies Maybe bring in some books, because I read a book, or at least part of it, on the Small Dones, which kind of talks about some history Good shit. History stuff. Um, and maybe tie it all into gangs and military and prisons what? and whatever. Yeah, I mean, we, we always yammer, so we'll find a way to reach it. Give it the old reach around, so. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's not together. the preferred nomenclature. <laughs> to, bring it all, to bring it all back together. <laughs> All right. 
I, I forgot to mention the number at the beginning and the email. Um, 720-334-ROLL. Roll, 7655, and shortbusdebateclub at yahoo.com. We'll see you in the second half.